join me in the next verse and read every other verse with me. That's 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning at verse number 9. And if I don't get my glasses on, I won't be able to read. Okay, much better. Uh, 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel chapter 1, verse number 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, thank you for the message that we heard this morning. Lord, it was exactly what I needed to hear, and I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for how you use our pastor. Lord, and um, he has availed, made himself a, a vessel for you. I pray again tonight, Lord, you would use him. Pray, Father, you would fill him with the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray you would bless our church, Lord. I pray you would use our church. I pray, Father, we would please you, Lord, and that uh, Calvary Baptist Church would be uh, a church that is uh, close to your heart. Bless this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh 
That's a wonderful song. It really yeah. is. It is well with my soul. I want you to go to First Samuel, and I'm going to try to uh, really just kind of move through this uh, tonight. We've got a good crowd here tonight. Um, I was told this morning that I was just told this evening that we had uh, uh, 90 in, uh, in our adults in the auditorium here, 90 in the auditorium here this morning. And uh, as far as that's usually about mid-70s, he said. So I don't really count, but he does. It, it just helps him. You know, he's learning. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I just thought I knew that we had a good crowd in here this morning, but 90, I think, is the biggest crowd we've had since we've been here. And so that's, uh, that's very exciting. And, of course, that's not everybody. We had junior church and things going on, but that's exciting to... To do that, I don't. I don't do a lot. Say a lot about about numbers, but uh, you know, every once in a while, it's encouraging to know that more people are coming. Amen. And I think more people coming for Sunday night. And uh, we just saw here in First Samuel chapter one, verse nine through twelve, we saw uh, that uh, in verse eleven that Hannah vows a vow. She hasn't been able, unable to have children, and. She's pouring out her soul, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord. Look at this, all the days of his life. All the days of his life. She makes a vow to God that if God will allow her to have a child, a, a son, that she'll give that son to God. So let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer we'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus. Thank you uh, for blessing in our church and blessing uh, uh, us uh, in such immeasurable ways. But Lord, I pray that you'd continue to keep your hand of blessing here. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that we would, we would all seek to be closer to you and yielded to you and, and to know you in a greater way. And Father, I pray that tonight that you would take uh, a very simple uh, message, but but Lord, I think it's uh, the, the, some of the points are very, very important that we understand and we, we make sure that we are careful about them. And then Lord, I, I pray now that you'd guide my mind, Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee once again. And I ask you to fill me from the top of my head, sole of my feet, and speak through me, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19... We're going to read quite a few verses here to kind of lay the foundation, but 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, uh, it says, And they rose up in the, in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to, to Ramah. And Elkanah uh, knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore, it came to pass when the time was come about, uh, come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son. And called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah uh, and all of his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And so... What we see is we see her husband now, of course, he's, he's okay with this. He just tells her, you know, stay until the, the baby uh, is, uh, is weaned. And, and you can, after he's weaned now, you can take him uh, to the man of God. And I want you now to, to go all the way to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. 
So the child has been taken there now. Um, Verse 28 of chapter 1 says, Therefore also I, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And then in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, it says, The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. I wish it would be precious again in America. The word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And, the, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. Now, he didn't call Eli, he called Samuel. And he answered, here, I, here I, am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not lie down again, and he went his way and lay down. And so the first time this young boy comes to Eli and says, you know, I, I, you must have been calling me. I heard my name called. And, and so he came to, to Eli and said, you've called me. And Eli said, no, I haven't. Just go lay down. And basically, probably the, the implication here is maybe Eli thinks he's just dreaming, you know, whatever, just, you know, kid, uh, maybe away from his mom, whatever. Uh, but he tells him, in verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again. Uh, and I think I skipped a little bit there. But again, the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived, now this third time, finally, this kid, kid is getting up, saying, you know, you called me. No, I didn't. He gets up. You called me. No, I didn't. Now he comes back, and he says, you called me and Eli says, no, you go lie down and it shall be if he called thee that thou shalt say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. And what is what ultimately what's going uh, taking place here is God speaking to Samuel. He's talking to Samuel. He's just a young child really and God's speaking to him and Samuel now is beginning to hear the voice of the Lord and and the Lord speaking to him he's, and he's telling Samuel through Samuel he's going to do something incredible. He's going to do something that he hasn't done through Eli. And now it's a whole long story about Eli and his children and honestly the failures with his children. But what we see here, I think, is some, some ideas, some thoughts that we could, we could pull out. And honestly, it's for every parent, every parent, no matter how old your children are. But, I, but I, especially as we think about going to camp tomorrow, uh, I've, I've fought for years uh, going to camp. As I said, I, I've been to camp for this probably is maybe, I don't know, 125th, 26th, 27th, 130th, 135th. I'm not sure, but there's a whole lot of camps that I've been to. And they've asked me all over the nation, what could we do different? They always say, Brother Hooker, you've been to a bunch of camps. What could we do different? What could we do different? And this is what I tell them every time. I know it's not going to happen, but I always give them the same answer. I always say, if you really want this camp to have a lasting effect, bring the parents. Bring the parents. Because honestly, God's going to work this week. God's going to work as God works in the lives of children at church. God's going to work. 
God's going to touch their hearts. Can they, can it, because Jesus even said, you know, it's the children. It's the faith of the children. The children are ready to just submit to God. They're ready to, to do anything God wants them to do. Children are always that way. They got to be programmed and trained and hurt before they'll start saying, no, I don't want to do it. I went to a camp one time, and, and this is, oh, man, this is 30 years ago. I was at a camp in Kentucky, and, and I was going to split the camp. Don't really much like to do that, but they had another fellow that preached uh, Monday night, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning, and I was coming in Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, and Friday morning. And so I came in, and, and when I got there on Wednesday, I could tell, I could sense something's not right here at this camp. And so I preached Wednesday night. I don't know, and Joe will tell you, I don't know I've ever had this happen at a camp. There's not a movement of anybody. Nobody moves. I want, walked away from her, you know, with her, and I talked, told her, I said, Some, something's wrong here. Something's bad. I don't know what's going on before I got here, but something's not right right now. And so I preach Thursday morning, nobody moves. Nothing's happening. I come back Thursday night, and I preach, and honestly, I get to the end of it, started getting the invitation, and it's just rock solid. Nobody's moving. And I just stopped, and I started to pray to the Lord, and I said, Lord, something's hindering this incredibly. I mean, something's going on here, Lord, and I've got to, we've got to have you, and I'm praying it out loud, Lord, something's got to happen here. Something's hindering this place. When all of a sudden a, a girl about probably 15, 16, 17, I don't know how old she was, she was sitting amongst a group of boys at the back, very back row. She stood up and she came forward in that service and she fell on her face at the altar. And when she did, boom, the place went crazy. I'm not sure anybody was left in their seats. The invitation went on for probably another hour. You know, because something had happened to that little girl, that's not normal for them. And see, the truth is, our children are ready to make decisions. They are. So, what do we need? We need parents prepared for camp. Amen? So, I just want to let you know, all the parents, we're going to load up at 5 o'clock in the morning. You're all going. I called all your work. I called everybody, and I, I made arrangements for you. Now, somebody out here is going to believe me, but they, uh, no, here, here you go. Number one, I'm just going to give you a series of things, and this is going to be very simple tonight, but number one, uh, here's what you got to do to help your kids get ready for camp. One, help them pack, okay? You say, does that really help them? No, but it helps me <laughs> because I don't have to find everything all during camp. Help them pack. No, the truth is you can teach them kind of a checklist kind of a life right here using camp to do it, uh, which will help them in every trip, every activity they do. This is a great time because they're excited about going to camp, so they won't mind maybe even listening to you. And so, uh, but get them to, to figure out and try to help them think through what will they need at camp. Amen? Amen. This, this is good. Look, folks. Whether you understand this or not, this is really important. <laughs> they got to come with the stuff they need for camp. Please send them with the stuff they need for camp. Okay? Number two, help them prepare physically all their needs and potential needs and spiritually their needs. 
Now you say, what does that mean? I don't know how many times I've been to camp and kids have come to camp, Bible camp, without a Bible. Will you make sure your children have a Bible? Okay, amen. These two guys don't even have kids going. Okay, so I need some amens from out there. Okay, make sure they have a Bible. Make sure they have something to write with. Make sure, look, it'd be really nice if every one of them had a little notepad that kind of went with their Bible. Say, why? They need to take some notes about the decisions they make, about the things they learn. They will remember it longer. I I bet, get them to write in their Bible. Write down in their Bible at the verse something that they learned. They need to be ready. They don't need to be going to chapel services or to any kind of little session or class and they just walk in with nothing because that's pretty much what they're going to walk out with most of the time. But they need to be prepared physically, all their needs and the potential needs. And we've got to really think through that because they'll have a better camp if they do. But spiritually, they need their Bible. They need the notepad. They need a pen. They need those things so that they can come away with something that lodges in their heart and mind. Okay, so number three, be excited that they're going to camp. Okay, now some of you are excited for the wrong reason. Say, they're leaving. Yeah. Okay, no. Be excited that they're going. Avani, that's what your daddy just did, right? Daddy's like, yeah. I got 15 more minutes in the bathroom now. Okay, be excited that they're going. Listen, this is not, mama, this is not the time to make sure that they're going to miss you while they're gone. You're going to miss me, aren't you, honey? You sure you want to do this? You sure you want to go? I'm, I'm going to miss you so bad. Shut up! I'll be four hours away, and my, my wife, I send her back in a car you know, to, to bring somebody that's homesick back. Let me help you. They're not coming back. Hannah prepared for Samuel's departure. Do you think it's hard to send him to camp? How about you just weaned him? But she had, somehow she had prepared her heart all along that he was going to go serve God. Hello? All right. Number four, decide tonight that they are the Lord's. Decide tonight that they are the Lord's. We wouldn't have them except he gave them to. And whatever, listen to this now. You say, okay, they're the Lord's. Okay, but listen, something goes along with that. Whatever he chooses to do with them is good and best. Hannah gave Samuel to the Lord and trusted what God would do with him. She didn't question it. This is kind of leading into probably the great deterrent or great hurt that takes place out of a camp, the thing that really crushes everything that's done in the next four and a half days is when they walk back in the house and they've made a decision for God. Mom, dad, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents, whoever, you say one negative word. 
and you just sapped everything out of them. You might as well take it. It's like taking a, a, a tire and just sticking an ice pick in it. All the air is coming out. Number five. Anybody writing this down? No, okay. Number five. Trust leadership to guide them when they are away from you. Okay? Look, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, they may come back and love me. They may come back and hate me. But just trust me. I'm not going to hurt them. I'm going to kill them. No, I'm going to hurt them. I'm not going to hurt them, but, uh, but I'm going to expect them to obey. Okay? So just trust us that we're not, we're going we're gonna to try to get the best out of them. And if, if they're not paying attention in the service, I'm going to treat them like everybody else in that service. I'm going to let them know that they better pay attention. And so that's one of the good things about not having cell phones. Okay? Because they got to wait all the way to the end of the week to go crying to you. And see, by the end of the week, that terrible thing that happened today or tonight may be forgotten and probably will be. But if they can run to the cell phone the moment they're, they're, they're upset, okay, that, now you, let me just tell you what that does. This is kind of like when our kids got married and we told them, do not come to us and tell them anything, tell us anything negative about your husband. You know why? Because you're going to get over it. You're going to get over it and you're going to walk out of our house and you're going to go back to your husband and not 15 minutes later, you're going to be kissing and making up and everything's all wonderful. And you know what I am? I'm still back at the house ready to kill that dude. And I'll be that way for the next week and a half. And then you'll bother to tell me, oh, daddy, no, it was fine. That was no big deal. Well, don't come tell me at all. I don't want to hear it. Joe Beth, one time, our, one of our daughters, right at the very beginning, we told them, don't do it. And one of our daughters made a mistake in coming in right after she got married, and she said something a little bit negative. And Joe Beth reached, oh, this mean woman, she reached all the way across the table and pulled our daughter halfway across the table and said, baby, I've already told you, if you're ever going to come back in this house again, you're never saying anything negative about your husband. Our daughter went, okay. Now, but please, just trust us. They're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. We love them to death. We're going to treat them good. Uh, but, you know, they, kids are kids, and some things may not go exactly like they want it to go tonight. They didn't get the bunk they wanted. They didn't get something they wanted. Uh, but we're, we're going to be okay. Number six, pray daily. Every day we're gone, please pray daily and many times a day. And then I want you to pray extra hard at night around the time we're going to have the evening service. We need your prayers. Your child needs your prayers. You say, what should I pray? Pray that the Holy Spirit works on his heart. And whatever God wants him to do, that they'll submit to it and be willing to do it. Pray 
many times a day, especially at night about the time of evening chapel, that their hearts will be tender to the Holy Spirit's leading and conviction. Hannah prayed for Samuel before and after he was born. And those prayers made the difference in Samuel's life. Number seven, pray for your heart to be submissive to the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm going to emphasize, I beg you, pray for your heart to be submissive to the Holy Spirit. And I know some are in here and you say, well, I don't have any children going to camp. Listen, this applies to you right now throughout their entire life. Pray that your heart is submissive to the Holy Spirit. Listen to this now, so that God prepares your heart for their decision. Again, when, when they yield to the Lord and God has called them to do something, and, and I don't know what God, I, 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 I'm not one of those that thinks everybody is in full-time service. Now, I'm one of those that thinks everything we do is for God. Now, but what I'm saying is, is that God may want them to, to be, a, be a plumber, you know. God may want them to be a lawyer, God forbid. But God may want them to do something like that. God may want them to, to do all kinds of different things. But everything they do should be done for God. Amen? I mean, it, this everything we do is, is God's and we should be done for God. But I'm not saying everybody should be full-time in the ministry, but I'm just going to tell you that God might call one of them to Africa. God might call one of them to China. God might call one of them to Memphis. <laughs> God, God might call one of them. You say, oh my goodness, they're too young to even think that way. My son-in-law in Africa right now surrendered when he was 10 years old. You say, when did your daughter surrender? My daughter driving home from a hospital, from a car wreck where she barely lived. On the way home, after many days in the hospital, she started crying uncontrollably. She was 10 years old. And here's where her words. As I hugged her up, I said, baby, it's going to be okay. You're, you're okay. We're coming home from the hospital now. She said, no, Daddy, that's not it. She was all bandaged up. She said, Daddy, I believe God wants to use me. Wants some, he has something for me to do. And she said, I'm so afraid I won't be able to do it. Ten years old. And ten years old, she believed that God was going to send her to the mission field. Fifteen years later, fourteen years later, whatever it was, another, she and a ten-year-old boy at the same time, fifteen years later, went together to the mission field. Both of them surrendered at ten. And both of them never looked back from ten. You say, can that really happen? Sure it can. Samuel heard the voice of God at a very young age now if Eli had just looked at Samuel and said Samuel look don't get emotional on me you're homesick you're, you, you're just dreaming you just want some attention just forget about that and Samuel said but, but God's calling me and Eli said look look you're a kid just put it away and watch this. That's what a lot of parents have done. A lot of parents over the years have looked at their children and said, 
Oh, the, I, look, they probably got you all emotionally cranked up. Well, let me just make you a promise uh, and, and a confession. Probably in my early ministry, I might have reached for emotions, but I don't do that anymore. I want, I want them to hear the voice of God. But if they hear the voice of God, I'm not going to naysay them. I'm going to tell them, if you heard God, bless God, you better obey God. Now, mama, can you let them go to obey God? Now, I don't mean they're leaving at 10. I'm just saying, if God calls them, will you let them go? How are we doing? How are we doing? When she grows up a little bit more. All I can tell you is it's not easy, but it sure is blessed. Please pray that your heart will be submissive to the Holy Spirit. Number eight, when they return, Permit them to tell you all that God has done in their heart. Let them pour it all out. Let them unload. And please, again, don't naysay anything that they say. Hannah never came back to try to change the direction of Samuel's life and decision. She just yielded to it. She let God work. The um, said, Brother Hooker, what do you mean? Well, they may not be, this may not be uh, about a call to preach or a call to be a missionary or a call to lead the country. It may be, watch this now, I'm going to make everybody mad. It may be that God speaks to their heart about something they feel needs to be eliminated from their life. It may be some music that they don't think they should listen to anymore. It may be something they've been watching. They just don't think they should watch anymore. It may be some game that they've been playing that they just don't think they should do that anymore. It may be something they've been reading or that they just don't. And watch this now. I'm, I'm about to cross the line now. Okay. Yeah, you just tell me to go ahead. You ain't, you ain't going to be in trouble. I will. But listen, please understand, they may come back and feel like God has told them to eliminate something you like. They may come back and say, Mama and Daddy, I just, God has touched me. I don't think we, and I'll try to explain to them that they don't use we, God, I don't think I am supposed to watch this. I don't think God wants me to hear them say that anymore. I don't think I'm supposed to listen to that. And that might be your favorite music. I've told them so many places. I've been with preachers and they say, man, whoa, God moved tonight in the invitation and wow, these decisions. And I would sit in tears of my eyes and I'd say, the sad part is 
they won't be home 10 minutes. They'll be riding home in the car. And most everything that's just happened to them for this whole week has just gone. Because what they were listening to on the way home in the car. So many times they're not home a half hour and everything they decided, son, what do you mean you don't want to listen to that? There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, even if there's not anything wrong with that, they felt impressed in their heart it would be. And let me tell you, is there anything so important that we couldn't give it up for our kids as they get closer to God? It's not, don't be upset. Son, don't, you telling me I'm doing something wrong? Well, yeah, he is. No, it, the fact is, is they're not telling you to do something wrong. God told them. Can you help them? Now, here's what happens, though. We as parents, we want to defend ourselves. We want to defend our actions. What? I'm not turning it off. I don't care what you think, boy. I'm just telling you that when we do that, the things that they just decided, we might as well have just said to them, son, everything you heard last week was wrong. And it devastates them. And folks, I know so many times we think we're going to camp and it's, you know, we're going to go to camp to play ball and I'm going to play ball with them. I don't care what kind of ball they're playing, I'm going to play ball with them, all right? We're going to go out there, and we're going to have a good time. And I don't care what kind of activity. It's a lot of fun, and they stay up late. I'm not staying up late with them. But the, they're going to stay up late. They're going to play. They're going to get up. They're going to be, you know, in, in rain, and it looks like rain every day next week. Praise the Lord. Looks like rain every day. We'll go out and play in the rain. We'll play in the mud. We'll play, and we'll do it. We'll have a great time. But that's not really the purpose of camp. At least not why I go. I go to preach to them the word of God that God might touch their hearts. Why? So they might have a better life. So that they might have hopes and dreams that they've never really dreamed of. That God might use them in a, in, in a mighty way. Number nine, permit and encourage them to fulfill their decision and commitment, which both Hannah and Eli did. Permit them and encourage them to fulfill their decision and their commitment. Please, encourage them. Even if you don't understand the decision they made, encourage them. Because this is where they're starting to hear God. You see, Samuel heard God twice before. And Eli didn't, wasn't sure, but he didn't, he didn't naysay it. He just said, go back to bed. When he heard it the third time, Samuel, I mean, Eli didn't, didn't naysay it. He, didn't, he let him and said, go back to bed. And when he heard it again, just say, speak, Lord, thy servant, hear it. You know, that's what we got to do. Look, son, I know you're just 
coming into man, you're starting to hear God. God's starting to speak to your heart. Let me tell you, you stay on your knees, you stay in your Bible, and you just listen for the voice of God. And when you hear him, just say, speak, Lord. Thy servant heareth. That's what we got to encourage them to do. And all of their life, whether they're going to camp this week or not, this is what's so important for our children. It's like this, see, um, I've been with so many people, their, their child made a decision, you know, salvation decision, four or five years old, six years old, something like that. Somewhere in a camp or somewhere in a youth conference, somewhere in a church service at 10, 11, 12 years old, they get under conviction, they come forward, and I've had parents say to them, no, honey, no, you got saved already. Now, let me tell you, when something, when God is speaking to their heart, when something's moving in their heart, never naysay any of it. You say, well, they've already done this before. Listen, let's go through it again. Let's make sure. Let's get this settled in our hearts. But I've seen parents. I've been with them. And, I, and I, if they'll let me, I'll tell them, please don't do that. Don't tell them to turn away from the altar. Don't say that. If God has broken their heart and brought them to the altar, don't send them back. Let God work in their lives. So, I'm about done. Time's about up. But camp is a microcosm of life as a Christian young person and as a parent. Every day uh, of prayer, of Bible, of preaching, teaching is a day that our children need to be prayed for, that they will surrender their hearts to God. Camp is just a concentrated week that they will hear preaching and teaching and will be away from the technology of life. They will be away from all outside influences and distractions. They will have a time to, uh, of quiet to hear the Lord just as Samuel laid down as a child and heard the voice of God. The great enemy of a young person's decision for God is often coming home. Coming back to those who did not hear the sermons who did not sense the Spirit of God while they were, the preaching was going on, who, who did not sense the movement of God during the invitation, who struggled to comprehend their decision. Eli did not write off his emotion or a dream. He led Samuel to answer God and obey God. We as parents have a great opportunity and responsibility to encourage our children in their decisions for God. It may mean that we have to make some hard decisions ourselves. It may mean that we have to break our pride and say, if God's spoken to you, let's hear about it. If God's moving in your heart, what do you think we need to do? You said, I'm going to have my child tell me? You know, it'd be wonderful for them if you trusted them and said, tell me what the Lord told you to do. And together, let's work at making it happen. And that's, again, it's not just camp. It's every church service they're in the rest of their life. God may speak to their heart. It's a great danger when we naysay to our kids and we sap out the movement of God in their heart. We can think they're just kids, but Samuel was used like no other prophet of God, and it began when he was a child. So our invitation tonight for those going to camp, are we willing to give them to God completely? Parents of those going to camp, are we really willing to give them to God completely? 
And let me just warn you, even in good Christian homes and churches like this, we have a tendency that we want them to have enough of God that they're protected and they have a good life and everything goes well. But we don't want so much that they make some extreme commitment. For those with young children but not going to camp, are we willing to give them now to God as Hannah gave Samuel even before he was born and before he was weaned? She gave him to God. Young person, it starts tonight. Will you yield to God now so that you hear from the very moment of the opening of the week, you start to hear his voice. Well, that's our sort of invitation. Are we as parents ready to let God work in our children's lives? Are we willing to be as Hannah and say, I give him completely to God? I give him up. Now, nobody here is going to have to take your child as soon as they're weaned and take them to the church and drop them off you say why won't we because I don't want them <laughs> I done been through that about a half dozen times myself but spiritually are you willing to just let God have his way whatever he tells them to do would you let God do it that's our invitation tonight Father I pray that you bless